Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We've already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. I am so excited to have you here with me because we are going to be learning how to be successfully unemployed from our expert who is actually living abroad. He's living in the Philippines because he is successfully unemployed. He literally does not work that J-O-B, that just overbroke job. He doesn't do that anymore. In fact, he works for himself and he does a great job and he has a podcast, books and everything on Serve No Master. Jonathan Green, thank you so much for being on the Successfully Unemployed show. Hey, Dustin, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to come hang out on your show after you hung out on mine, and I'm ready to spend some amazing time together. I appreciate it, too. And it's like 5, 30, or 5 in the morning, like 5 a.m. or 5.30 in the morning. Right now, right now for me, it's like, I don't know, 2 p.m., so it's really nice for me, but I appreciate you waking up so early to be on the show. Now, you're in the Philippines right now. What is that like living outside? Because, you, you know, obviously living in a whole other country, change of life and everything, but you had to have a job before that, and now you're living. What is all that like, giving up all that now living in the Philippines? Well, when I lost my job in 2010, I got fired. Uh, over the weekend, I bought a new car. First time I ever bought a car without any help. Found a loan on my own, signed all the papers on my own. My parents just watched me do it. I, you know, all that stuff, it's always nerve-wracking. Signed a lease on a new apartment over the weekend. Snow, wake up Monday morning, massive blizzard. Go, I'm going to drive my new convertible into work. I'm so loyal. Drive into work, fired. Boom, bullet to the head. And as I was driving home, I go, I never want this. I, first, I had two thoughts. I said, number one, do not crash. That's the most ironic thing that can happen. That's the worst thing that can happen. So I'm driving so slow. I'm like, do not drive, crash on the way home from getting fired. And number two, I never want someone to have the power of me. Again, I realized that my boss could not just hurt me, but they could hurt my family. They could hurt my kids. They could hurt, they take away your food. They take away your place to live. They can take away your transportation. Bosses have so much more power than we realize. And I never wanted that to happen ever again. So I didn't even consider looking for a job again. I said, as far as I'm concerned, the bridges are burned. And I'd been in the industry for 10 years. I'd been a professional teacher traveling around the world. I was working at one of the top universities in the United States. I was in charge of a $1.5 million program that I was totally unqualified for. I had no management experience. So during the interview, I was like, yeah, I can do this. I know how to lead a team. I just said whatever I had to do to get the job. And it was getting fired was the best thing that ever happened because I never would have quit. And that's really what so many of us need is that we're stuck in this place where we're not happy, but we're not sad enough to quit. And we're in this, like, it's almost like we live life in purgatory. So getting fired kicked me out and forced me to be an entrepreneur. And that's kind of how I began my journey. And after a few years, when things started to come together, I said, I'm going to travel the world full time, which I did. And I was bouncing all over. I was living on a beach in India. Then I went to do New Year's in London. And then I spent some time in Budapest and some time in, uh, uh, Ukraine, like just traveling all over. Then I was in Thailand. I was going to go to Indonesia. And my friend Rob calls me. He goes, dude, don't go to Indonesia. It's terrible. Come here. Come visit me. And so I came visit him, stayed at his house. And his business partner calls me about a week later. He goes, hey, I'm working on a project together. I'm going to have a date tonight. She's bringing a friend. You got to come. And I said, I'm not doing that. I said, that sounds like, I said, that sounds like, that sounds like a trap. And, and uh, he goes, look, you want to do this deal with us? You want to work on this project with us? 
you're coming. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. So I go, hate the girl, worst date of my life, terrible, terrible night. She's boring, she hates me, we hate each other. And I try to leave the date early. He goes, you can't leave, you gotta stay, I really like this girl. I'm like, come on, let me go, I don't like, I'm having a horrible time. He's like, no, no, and we go to another bar, another bar, we go to the third place. He goes, I got an idea. He just orders tons of tequilas. And me and this girl just get so drunk, and now four kids later, we're married. <laughs> so he was right. It was like, it turns out, like, tequila is, like, <laughs> the secret to, like, a really good marriage. Oh, my goodness. And we actually never – we don't even ever drink. We, My wife never drinks. I never drink because she's always pregnant. But sometimes it's what you need to turn, like, the worst date into a uh, marriage. I love that story. That is brilliant. No, that's so cool. Okay. I love the idea that you would never have quit – Unless you got fired, like because you got fired, now you're where you are now. I know you and I are so much more happy where we are now than when we did when we had that just overbroke job. If I didn't get laid off, I probably wouldn't be here either. I would still be working my crappy job and living just overbroke. Now you're just a normal person, just like I am. That's something about having the ability to just quit, or if you're fired, do something else. Now, how do you make money now to provide for you and your family? without having that just overbroke job. Yeah, over the past 10 years, I've been through a lot of different business models, always been in the online space. You know, I first started off selling services to local businesses, helping them to get videos on YouTube or helping them to get videos ranking on the search engines or helping people to get their businesses to appear. My very first money online, I posted an ad on Craigslist. I said, I will help you uh, with your business. I bought a course, it was like how to rank videos. I said, oh, let me try this, it's 10 years ago. Very first client, is like, I'm not getting any business for my website. She's a massage therapist with like a car you drive around with all the stuff written on the side, all in. And um, gave me a check for $200. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I had done anything yet four days later. So I dove in. I said, well, probably because your phone number is not on your website. And so it was like something so simple like that that she didn't see. She paid someone else to design her website and they hadn't put the phone number on. Like, how can you call for it's a phone business? And from there, I grew. And now what I do, having learned a lot and built products and worked in a lot of spaces, is I really, as I was telling you before the call, I built it's a really simple business model that I call extreme giving, which is that I find other people in a market that I want to enter, and I find ways to give them maximum value. So I'm always giving value to people that I work with and to their customers, anyone they bring to me. So an example of this is that I'll organize um, any different way to give away stuff. So I'll say, hey, let's all get together and have an event and we'll all give a talk or let's be on each other's podcast or let's all give our books away for a weekend. We all do a promotion together and then everyone promotes it at the same time. What we get is the value of the crowd. So let's imagine that you and I each have a following of 100 people. We get eight other people, 10 of us. all put our presentation, our product, our book, whatever our main way of presenting ourselves is in front of those people. So now instead of 100 people who see you every week, you have 900 new people. Now not all 900 are gonna like you. And maybe 10% of 10 of your people that you've had before are gonna stop liking you. But what you're gonna do is you're gonna end up with two or 300 people who are really into you. Because instead of choosing you, it's like you or nobody, they chose you from a crowd. So what you do is you basically refine your following. So you get the people that are most into me. Like there are people who follow me They'll hear you as a guest on my podcast and go, you know what, I'm going to switch to Dustin because I'm into this rental thing. And you know what, that's a better fit for them. So I would rather the 10% of people that don't really, not the right fit for them, move to someone who's a better fit, and then they move a better fit to me. And the co core concept of extreme giving is to always overgive. So if someone joins my mailing list, and you know we all do that, we say, join my mailing list, I'll give you a free course or a free gift. Second day, I go, surprise, another free gift. Third day, I go, surprise, another free gift. 
I want it to feel like when you're on Oprah and they give you, they go, there's a car under your seat. <laughs> like I want that feeling because what people, especially in my market is it's all a commodity. There are other people that teach how to build a business online. Other people teach authorship. You're going to buy from the people that you like or that you want to hang out with. And so I want people to get that entourage feeling. I want them to have the entourage effect. Like, wow, if I hang out with Jonathan, I get free books and free trainings and I get introduced to really great people all the time. So even if someone who's one of my followers gets introduced to you, they'll still hang out with me because they know there's free stuff coming their way, even though you're the person that they're buying from. So I want to create that entourage effect, which is like some like big celebrities, sometimes they have like 47 or like 100 people that hang out with them. And there's the bottom guy. Now, the bottom guy is still there because he'll get the Beats headphones. Once everyone else has got a free set of Beats, he gets them. Or there's like a set of jeans that works its way down the crew. And everyone goes, I don't want these jeans. I don't want these jeans. And eventually the bottom guy gets them. He's still there. He's still getting stuff. He wouldn't be hanging out there if he wasn't getting some type of benefit. And that is what we want people to feel. Obviously, I don't want people to feel like they're the bottom of my entourage, like they're getting the oldest jeans. But getting free stuff or getting that feeling like, oh, this person wants me here, um, I matter, is what we want to create. And I try to create that in my partners as well. So if I invite someone to an event and I say, first of all, your audience is going to have an amazing experience. Here's why this would be great for your following, which a lot of people miss. A lot of people, I get, I know you probably do, I get those cold emails all the time. Hey, Jonathan, we have a product for you to promote and we made an amazing mind map that you could post on your website. I was like, okay, two things for you, nothing for my audience, nothing for me. And if you approach me and say, hey, Jonathan, we've got a promo that can make you a bunch of money, that's cool. That has my attention, but if you go, we have something that will work for your audience, that's much more important to me. I don't want to promote a product or a course that's not good or doesn't offer value because guess what? That burns my relationship with my audience, and I'm in this for the long haul. I've been doing this 10 years. I want to do this another 40 years. So it's very important to me to really approach people in the right way, and I approach everyone and say, hey, rising tide rises all ships. I want to do a cooperative venture. As I used to think, oh, if someone reads my book, they won't read anyone else's, and then one day I looked at myself. I go... I read basically, if there's a space marine or a spaceship or a dragon on the cover, I read it. So I am a voracious reader. I realize I wouldn't stop reading one author just because I read someone else. And it's a crazy revelation to have, but that really changed my approach to business. When it came across my mind about a year and a half, two years ago, I said, I got to change my approach because cooperation is really the most powerful approach. And I started doing that almost two years ago now. And once I started seeing other authors and other speakers would be my industry, not as competition, but as cooperation, business growth became so much easier. And it's a lot easier. Like, I don't really focus on sales anymore because that all comes together. I just focus on the giving. part. The more I give, the more people who like me, then everything else falls into place because the other part of the system is built. But really focusing on giving is so much easier. I never have to hard sell. I never say to someone, you got to buy this program, it will change your life. I don't need to have that conversation. I say, hey, this isn't the right fit for you. That's cool. Eventually something will be the right fit or maybe nothing will be, but I'm glad you're hanging out. And they'll invite their friends and eventually the right people find me. So there, there's so much in there to unpack. And I want, we'll unpack that in just a second, but I want to know how does that translate into money for your family? Because you can give, 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 but when does it actually start returning when you start making money for all the giving? Because I think it's a great idea to extreme giving. In fact, I give out so much. I have, I have YouTube channels. I have uh, podcasts. I have books. I, have, I, I literally have articles. I have so many things. But at the same time, I can give. How do you make money? Sure. So I, be, I believe my business model is a three-part business model. Part one is traffic. And that is people who've never heard of you hearing of you for the first time. So that's people discovering you. 
The second part is engagement. Engagement is where you start to have a conversation, where people are emailing you or, they're or they click follow on social media or they leave a comment on one of your posts or they leave a comment on a YouTube video and they're beginning to interact with you. And this is the conversation phase. So you go from stranger to conversation and the conversation phase is very important and that's where a lot of my content falls in. You know, once someone's seen one of your videos for the first time, then everything else they see after that is them getting to know you because people need a certain amount of trust before they want to buy from you because we have all these questions we ask. Like, number one, if I spend money on this website, will I actually get something? Because sometimes we've all done that. We've made a purchase online and then nothing happened. We've all had that experience, at least I have, you know, years ago, but we've had that. And that's why we have to overcome that barrier. Hey, if you take something free from me, it, you get the email. So you know you can interact with me. Or if they email me or email my support, they get a response in a timely manner. Those questions need to be answered for some people before they'll spend a penny with you. And you kind of go up that trust relationship as people get to know you. So some people, if you have a really great promise and a really great sales page, they'll buy on day one. They don't need any of that stuff. But most people, I know I do, before I buy, I'm like, let me see who this person is. Let me check out their other website. Let me see what their other offerings are. Let me see if this really is a discount. Um, I go. I always do a little bit of that vetting process to make sure before I buy anything, and I'm going to do this a long time, I'll say, hey, does anyone know this guy? I'll ask all my friends, do you know this person? To make sure there's a bit of that uh, trust there. And that's what we're creating in the engagement phase is basically answering as many of those doubt questions people have as possible. So then the third phase is money. You call it profit or monetization, and that's where you start to sell stuff. And I have a lot of my own products. So as soon as people join, I say, hey, I've got a membership. It starts off a dollar a month. You can get all of my products, everything I teach, 50 different courses. So you can get a whole perspective to see what you want to do. And if you stick around, it's got a monthly fee. And that's one of the first phases of monetization. So I go from free to a dollar. Uh, it's not a big jump. It lets them get a real taste for what I create and people stick around for a while, hopefully. And then after that, really most of my revenue comes from being a curator. And what that means is that people come to me all the time with products. And there are so many courses and trainings out there that before I promote one, I have to go through it. I have to test it and vet it. And so my list, what they get is only products that I have checked out and vetted myself. That's really um, what I do. And I say, here's what I've checked out. Here's what's interesting this week. And because I'm not hard selling, I don't get a whole bunch of people jump ship from the list. I got an email. Sometimes I get an email and someone will say, Jonathan, this product's not right for me. Why are you mentioning? I'm like, I expect 99% of you not to buy it. My job is not to get you to buy anything. I'm not trying to hard sell. I don't need to hard sell. I have enough followers that what I'm trying to do is create that match where the right product finds the right person. Just like I don't know anything about the rental space. That's not my space at all. Um, I do dabble my toe into real estate, as I told you, but the reason I want to introduce my audience to you is because for some of my audience, you're the perfect match, and I want to bring you together. So sometimes, you know, at the free level, that's me introducing people to each other's books, and at the paid level, that's me introducing people to each other's courses. It's still the same core idea of if this is not the right fit for you, don't buy it. All the time, people email me the last questions. I'm like, yeah, should I buy this course? Should I not? And I love those questions because usually 80% of the time, I tell them don't buy it. If you have to email me to ask some questions, it's probably not the right fit for you, uh, especially if they're things like, oh, can I split it over three credit cards? Or can, I'm like, no, don't do that. Nah, I never encourage that. I never want people to do that. Yeah, I'll get a commission. You know, that's how I make my living, but it's not worth it. I, I don't want to put anyone into a bad financial situation. I say, look, I know this sounds like an amazing deal you can't afford it right now. Then don't. Stick to something you can't afford. Go through one of my free programs. Make some money first. I teach you how to make money without spending anything. I have a free program that works. You don't need to put a dollar in. Make money, then spend for profit. I'm a big believer in that because I don't want anyone to have debt. I think that's the worst thing you can have in your life. And so I teach people 
the principle that I live. So the key to extreme giving is that if you don't really believe in it, you can like fake it at first. But then when someone emails you and you're like, oh, if I tell them, yes, I'll make an extra $2,000, even though it's not the right fit for them, that's a hard conversation. Someone bought a product last week and I was trying to talk about it, but I was like, I don't think this is the right fit for you, but you didn't listen to me. So what can I do? I accept it. But I really believe that it's important as my role as the curator or the person who puts things in front of you to make sure I don't put stuff in front of you that doesn't work. I don't put stuff in front of people that doesn't have a big refund period. I like it to have a nice 60 days, at least 30 days, but 60, a lot of the things I find, I say 60 day refund periods have a long time to go through it and test it, make sure it works. You know, I'll go through all the training. Some of my team goes through all the training. Usually if we have enough time, we'll try and actually implement the entire program and make money from it to make sure that it works. So we do a lot of that vetting process, which people in their lives, they don't have time to do or they don't have the expertise. Just like you'll have, you know, you have your property manager to vet the properties because they understand that area. What people get from me is that I'll say, look, this program seems cool, but I don't think it works. And if something doesn't work, I'm not going to promote it. And it's, that's really important to me because I don't want to waste my time or my audience's time. So that is my job is to gate out the stuff that doesn't really work or that's not the right system and to find people that are really good. Uh, and as you mentioned before, there are people who teach real estate that aren't actually doing it. They, you know, there are people, they read other books and then they reteach, same in every industry. My job is to vet those people out and say, is this what you do or is this what you teach? And it's two very different things. You know, those are people who travel around the country, they shoot a video in front of a boat with two bikini girls and they say, come on down to the airport Marriott. I'll teach you how to buy a property. No, no money down. It's always the airport Marriott, at least in my experience. And they don't make their living from land. They make their living from teaching, and that's very different to me. So one of the things about me is that I have all my own products. My products generate maybe 10% of my revenue. I make most of my money from giving away stuff and from recommending other products. So I make more, much of my living as an affiliate now, and that was just something I just had to accept because people look to me more for my recommendations and for my guidance than they do wanting to replicate exactly what I do because not everyone wants to do what I do. Not everyone wants to write books. Not everyone wants to make Facebook videos. A lot of people want to do e-commerce. Guess what? I don't do e-commerce. If they want to buy and sell t-shirts, I don't do that, but I can find you the right person. So what I have is the network effect. And actually, you know, I have a, because of the number of customers I bring, I can negotiate with someone. I say, look, I know it's a refund period. It's 15 days. You got to make it 30 for my audience. Or you got to add an extra bonus for my audience. So I'm able to negotiate things. And actually, I have a broker who represents me, a friend Mike. We started working together last year. Mike gets a percentage of everything I sell, but he gets it out of the owner, not me. So I don't even pay him. But Mike represents 40 people like me. So when I tell someone I want an extra 15 days, Mike can say, no, you got to give him an extra 45 days. So he has more power. And I didn't understand that for a long time. I was like, why would I have an agent? He's like, watch this. And he's able to... Because I have a rep who has that authority, that gives my customers and my followers more experience or a better experience. And so I realized that there's a power in the collection because then when we're negotiating with someone saying, look, you have to make the product better, you have to offer more bonuses, you have to give people a longer refund period, the larger the group I'm a part of, the better the benefit is in the end for my customer who is the person that I actually care about the most. I don't care about the partner. I care as much as I do my actual customer because that's the person. That's why people follow me for two years, three years, five years, is that they know that they're going to get all of my authority backing them up. Like if someone emails me and says, I, I talked to so-and-so's support and they're not fixing the problem fast enough, I go, no problem. And I call the owner. I can call the business owner, which you can't do as a regular customer. You don't have that number. You don't have that uh, whatever chat channel, whether it's a Facebook message or a Skype message or whatever it is, but I can do that. 
and that power, you know, and there's some people who are really big companies, you know, being able to get that phone call in is a game changer because I can get something fixed for you in 10 minutes that on your own could be really hard when you're going through the support team. Like if you've ever talked to support at like Facebook or Amazon or like a big company, and you know, like you're like, oh my Horrible. gosh, the person you're talking to is the person you're talking to is making four dollars an hour. Like you're not talking to a person who cares. They don't get paid based on your experience. You know, like they don't really care that much because they're dealing with hundreds of calls per hour or they're dealing with this massive uh you know volume and that's how they get paid. They don't get paid more or less based on whether or not you walk away happy. Like they get the same salary. They're not invested in you. And so that authority, that power that I have, that's really the benefit of going through me before you go and grab a product on your own is that you have someone who's in your corner who can back you up, who can get you that refund when you need it, who can help you get you that support or can say, hey, this didn't work. Something's wrong. You got to fix it because that's really what you need when that's the power of like working with someone who's going to back you up. I think it's great. And what's really, really interesting is both of our business models with now, not necessarily the real estate that I have. That's that's different, but successfully unemployed. I'm kind of switching my brain a little bit, thinking about for successfully unemployed. I love just helping people find a way, whatever way. I love real estate, but that's not the only way. There's so many other ways to be successfully unemployed. And seems like our business model with Serve No Master and Successful Unemployed is just matching people up with great things that could help them benefit their life. Now, let's. I want to jump into developing this affiliate business model where your majority of your money comes from affiliate. But first, before we get into that, how do you, because people are going to be asking this question, how do you get traffic to you to then want, people want to go through you to find these things? Like, how do they know that you're the expert, not necessarily in this specific thing, but you're the go-to person to vet all these other things. How do you make sure that you get traffic that people are going to say, I'm on the newsletter. And like you said, I can buy through this, uh, through Jonathan. Um, how do you do that? Get traffic to you. So there's a couple ways to do it. Uh, when I enter a new market, this is not my only market by any means. I'm in about six different niches. Um, this is my favorite. This is one where it's my face the most, but we're in men's health. We're in, we've dabbled in um, job seeking. We've dabbled in authorship. We've dabbled in personal development. We've done really well in personal development, all spaces I'm interested in. And with each space that I go into, what I traditionally do is I find a partner or I do a bunch of research and put out a book in that space. And then we throw it on Amazon. Once it has like 10 reviews, then you can easily message everyone and say, Hey, so-and-so the author of this book, I would love to introduce my audience to your content. And that approach means I can get all these people. Now you, that's, Oh, I'm a, that's because I'm a really good writer. Like I can write a book really quickly. So I wrote a new book last week. You know, one of my team members, I have my new book coming out where I'm teaching extreme giving. And she goes, wow, this book is great. Too bad. It's so boring. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's like the worst thing you can say in the death knell. And so I took the entire book, which I've been working on for four months and I just threw it away and I rewrote it from scratch the next day. Um, in a single day, I did a massive, cause I dictate my books and I did a massive recording session. And now it's in process. I said, you're right. Fine. That's the worst thing you can say. That book is dead. I accept it. I'm not happy about it, but it is what it is. Not Most people can't do that. For most people, that's a massive hurdle. But what you can do is reach out to people. Like People think it's so hard to get access to experts or to get like access to me or you. It's not. You can call me and say, you want to be on my podcast? I'll go, yeah, I don't even know who you are. I'll probably say yes. As long as you've got like 10 episodes and I'll say pretty much say yes to anyone, right? And most experts will. We have this idea that people are so unreachable, but it's not true. People want to get their voice out there. So you can approach 10 people and say, hey, 
I'm putting together, I want to interview you for a project I'm working on. Most people say, yes, you do 10 interviews, say, hey, is it cool if I use some of your interview in my new book? And I've got 10 chapters where you've interviewed 10 experts. You don't even do anything. All you do is sit there and not talk. The secret to an interview is talking as little as possible. And really simple process. I have a really simple process for everyone. I say, hey, in our interview, tell me the six questions you want me to ask. And they send it back to me, and then I just ask them those six questions. Sometimes I add in a seventh question of my own, but people then go, wow, you're such a good interviewer. I go, oh, thanks. You know, it's like I thought of the best questions, but it's this they told me. I, and people, that really is one of the most powerful secrets. Someone taught me that about a year ago, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that works so well. Now I don't have to think of interview questions. So you can actually be checked out during your interviews because they've already written the questions. All you're doing is feeding them to them. This allows you to get content when you aren't even an expert in the space. So you can do like 10 interviews, you can have a book, or you can organize people and do, whether it's a virtual summit, or whether it's like a Facebook group challenge, or any type of event where everyone, you go, okay, actually, I'm gonna launch the book, you're featured in it, thank you so much for being an amazing chapter, why don't you tell your audience about it? And of course they will, they'll go, hey guys, even if it's only they post on Twitter, or whatever, they go, hey guys, I'm in a new book, check it out. And suddenly you have people who create your content and they give you the audience. So I really believe in that. Now what I do, Beyond that is then I immediately say, hey, everyone, thanks for reading my book. Make sure you check out the other nine authors. So I always kind of do a return on investment so that people get more than they give. And that's how you can enter a space without, you don't need to be an expert. Like a great example of this is TED Talks. The guy who organizes those events is not named TED. TED stands for something. I don't know what it stands for. And I also don't know the name of the guy who organizes events, and no one does. Unless you're a TED Talks nerd, which, and I've watched a lot of TED Talks, I don't know the name of the guy. You never really see him introducing the speaker, right? The speaker comes up and starts, but that guy is a facilitator. And TED Talks are the most famous talks, I think, in the world, the most famous type of that type of event that I know of. No one cares who he is, right? It's not about his authority or his expertise. It's his networking, his ability to bring an expert. So you can be a facilitator with no experience. And one of the things you can do is you can say, we've invited people like this, 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 and this to be in this event. Are you interested? Now, the secret is to make your list of your target speakers, your target participants, whatever type of event you're going to do, whatever type of organization you can do. And this works in your neighborhood as well. If you're like a local mechanic, you can just start cooperating with all your neighborhood and create more power and get a lot more uh, audience in front of you as well. But you say, oh, we've invited all these people. But then you start by inviting people that are like tier three, the people with the smallest audiences, because then they're going to tell their friends that are a little bit more successful than them, the tier two people, and they go, oh, you know, so someone, I have friends who have an, I have friends who have an audience that's, for every follower I have, they have a thousand. They're a thousand times bigger audience than me. But guess what? I'm still friends with them on Facebook. We meet in person twice a year when I go to conferences. So if he sees my name on an event, he's more likely to say yes. So you can say, these are the people that we're going to invite. These are the people we're going to go after. And actually, if you get the people level three because they see those top groups, they go, yeah, I want to be on a bill where this headliner is, right? Like, I want to be, I want to be on the same, um, at the same concert where Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing, whatever your favorite band is. So they say yes. Then the people level two say yes because their friends are there from level one. And then when you reach out to Red Hot Chili Peppers, they go, oh, well, a bunch of our friends, the guys we hang out with, we're on tour, one of our opening acts is playing this thing. Yeah, we'll do it. So you can actually climb up that authority tree by saying, here's who we're going to invite, and then starting low and working your way up. That is a master networking class just in like a, a quick, like two seconds or two minutes. That was brilliant. So I love that idea. And I know as I network, the more people I talk to, the more people that get to know who I am and I'm vice versa, the more I serve other people, just like you're talking about, it helps my business so much more because in doing that, it's just 
economies of scale. Like you just keep getting bigger and bigger because you're helping other people. They're finding their own market. You're finding your market and you're working together. The market's just keep getting bigger and bigger. So I love that. Okay. So from there, now, once we're going to start saying, you know what, I want to curate affiliates or curate ways for you to uh, whatever it might be, you know, sell on Etsy or whatever it might be. What is, what would you say should we do if we're going to start having affiliates being, we want to give, give, give so that people would eventually look at us as an authority to present something that they might want to buy. And then we get a commission because we're an affiliate. How do we get started doing that? Or what's the, what's the first thing you can think of, or we should do to get started doing that? Yeah, before I enter a market, I look to see if there are at least 30 affiliate offers for me to look at, or ideally 90. So I can e email people from for one to three months, all new offers to see what they like. Like when I entered personal development, everyone said to me, people really don't buy anything. They just want to buy their books. There's no money in that space. And I said, I don't know. I'm, there's a lot of stuff in there. And so I tried all these different promotions. The first promotion made like nothing. The second promotion made $5. Was it, I had an audience of 10,000 people, 10,000 personal development fans. And I made $5. I go, that's not very good. And then the next promotion made 7,000. So we had a fail, 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 big hit, knock it out of the park. Next promotion was like 5,000. So we figured out what people liked. And we tried a lot of different ideas. You have to be at first willing to let people vote. And the best way to vote is with their credit cards. So I'll put stuff in front of people and go, are you guys interested in this? Do you like this? Do you like numerology? Do you like astrology? Do you like tarot cards? Are you interested in learning how to do uh, like the secret? Are you interested in learning how to be, build a business? Are you all these different things, right? Like are, what areas are you looking to develop? And then they tell you. So we tried a lot of different ideas and we discovered that they were really, really interested in like how to make um, vision boards was really important to them. And I said, okay, that's fine by me. Like, okay, vision board stuff sells really, really well. And also they're very interested in different types of like space bracelets or mystical bracelets. I go, okay, if that's what you guys want, let me find different companies that sell these bracelets. I don't know, I don't wear one. I don't think about that, I don't wear jewelry. But if that's what people are interested in, I don't have a problem with that, right? Like what I don't, there's certainly stuff, there's spaces that I won't go into where it's stuff that's like unethical or medical stuff. I don't do that. Like if I'm not an expert, I'm not gonna recommend medical treatments. Like I get invited to do stuff like that all the time. I go, no way, no, no, no way. For me, if someone wants to buy a $10 bracelet and it gives them good luck, I don't have a problem with that. And I say, and I just make sure, like I told you earlier, that they have a 60-day refund policy. So if they wear the bracelet for 45 days and they don't have good luck, they can send it back. So that's how I vet is that if it's something I'm not an expert on, I make sure that the customer has a vetting ability and that um, it's run through a company that actually honors the refunds. Because there are plenty of companies that offer a big refund policy and don't do it. And those are the things that my job is to look out for is to know like the different types of scams. Like There's a reason I've never promoted a site. Asai online is almost always a scam. It's almost always someone who is rotating payment processors. So by the time you ask for a refund, that payment processor is closed. That account is gone, so you can't get a refund. Or they send you the sample, and then they bill you. The sample doesn't arrive before you get billed for the first month's worth of the supply. That kind of stuff, I stay so far away from. It's just not worth it to me. I don't care how much money you can make. It's just like that's not the business I'm in. I'm not in the business of pretending to help people. I'm in the business of helping people. So. When I enter a market, I look to see, are there 30 to 90 products that I can make money promoting and that I feel okay ethically promoting? Because there are a lot, there are so many things that I won't promote. So it has to cross those two barriers. And there's things that like spaces that I don't go into at all, but mostly I look for, can I actually help people? Can I actually find things? Can I actually use my process to sift? And then I just start showing people stuff and I say, oh, this is what people like the most. 
So now the next group of people that I get in front of me, I'm going to show them this offer first instead of third. So we start to move the order things around based on people's interest. And the best way to find out what they're interested in is what they spend money on. That's what I'm really looking for is to match those two things. So what's great is that interest and profitability intersect. So now it's easy for me to promote things that people want to hear about because I only mention the things that they're actually interested in. That's brilliant. Now, you did mention something I absolutely need to touch on, hiring somebody to either be like an affiliate manager or something like that. But I never even thought of like where you have one affiliate manager that's actually having other people working with them and they have a bigger push or pull off of affiliates. So talk to us about that. Yeah. So I am always trying to find new things to promote or things that are fresh. And cause sometimes people are running the same offer for two years. I'm like, no, I need something new. I want something that's working. And just like I can't vet, you know, you, my customers can't vet everyone. I can't vet everyone either because there are so many things out there. I can bet one or two offers a month, but then you have someone who's working with 40 people. That means they have 40 to 80 offers getting vetted a month. And so they have a lot more market knowledge. They have a lot more authority. And so uh, this person actually reached, Mike actually reached out to me because he noticed me being very active on his forum and starting to gain some traction and generating some sales. And so he said, hey, I noticed you're doing a lot of things. Here's a new promotion coming that might be a good fit for you. I ran that promotion and it went really well for both of us. And so we have a lot of good interactions in that way. So having someone who is invested in your success, Mike makes no money unless I make a sale. So he gets no benefit to recommending things that aren't good for my audience. If there's a refund, it comes out of his paycheck. So all of those same motivations I have, he has the exact same motivations. He's just a higher level type of networker. He doesn't directly deal with customers. He just deals with people like me. So having someone like that to help you find offers, you know, I'm talking to him right now because we're running a promotion right now. I'm like, I'm not sure if this is going right. Is this person that I had an issue with someone last year who didn't pay me on something and Mike jumped in and helped me out there. So having that, Having someone who's got your back really helps because there are so many promotions. There's so many ways to make money online. There's so many businesses. It's very hard, especially as it moves further and further away to stuff I'm an expert in for me to properly vet the course. So even sometimes I go through an entire course, unless I have time to implement it, I can't be sure it's not missing a step. You know, we, we just, I went through an entire promotion recently and it seemed like it all worked. And then I did a test with my team and I go, oh, this is missing a critical step. And it took us six weeks to find it because we had it and we spent several thousand dollars testing the system to find it because you can't really know if something works. Like, look, you can take me and have me inspect a car. I don't know if it works unless I drive it, right? You can't, you can look at everything until you turn the machine on and build it. It's very hard to know. So that's why um, I like to have someone in my corner because it just gives me a little bit more power. And I didn't really understand that for a while, like until... Actually, he helped me with a negotiation, right? Like he can get people on the phone who normally won't talk to me because there are people who are doing a million dollars in sales a week. Guess what? I don't do that. So, but he has the level of authority that people will listen. So he gives me, it's like having like a big guy behind you. So how do you find somebody like that? Are there, it doesn't sound like there are many, very many. In fact, I've never heard of many people actually even doing that. How do you find somebody that would actually be in that uh, place, but then also say, yes, I would work with you. Yeah, so they're usually called a JV broker is the name for this type of person. What they do, uh, usually the, most people in this space, what they do is they find an offer and their job is to find lots of affiliates for that offer. So they're kind of representing the product owner. But what I look for, and they are in spaces, you just have to kind of look for them as someone who does more, is a little bit more freelance, doesn't work for one particular offer, but actually represents a lot of offers. So what I had been doing for a long time 
was when I have a good promotion, say I recommend your product, it does very well for me. And then I'll say to your affiliate manager, your JV manager, I'll say, hey, can you recommend other products for me to promote? And because I get coming on an introduction, I started getting a lot of a lot more juice that way. And that really helped for me. But then finding the next level is I started looking on there's like forums for people that are affiliates or marketers in that space. And I just started reaching out to people. Mike actually owns that forum. So he owns like a forum that's called like uh, the JV, like like online business JV forum. So by reaching out to him directly because I was appearing on a lot of leaderboards or people that I was promoting um, were talking about me, I was able to get like a really good rep. And it's kind of like a, you, you know, the more you sell, the better rep you can get, then you can get more sales, then you can get a little better rep. It's just like anyone else, right? Like they change agents as they become more famous. So um, I have worked with other people in the past who just couldn't quite deliver it the same way. But a lot of a lot of what I need from him is actually insider knowledge. Like, hey, is this promotion really happening? Is this person really as good as they say they are? Is those questions are so critical. So you're just looking for people to have that insider knowledge and a great you basically look for someone who has a Rolodex of other people like you. And there's it's standard in my part of the industry that it's called tier two, where if you introduce um, like an affiliate, you get a 10% commission. It's pretty much standard across my entire part of the industry. It has been for the 10 years I've been doing this. So that's someone who's just, they're a professional tier two. They're a professional, they take people, introduce them to products. And you just find someone who has a good reputation or who you like. And again, I don't pay Mike anything. He gets paid by the person whose product I'm selling. So it doesn't even come out of me. That's like the best type of commission. So finding someone who's ethical and like a nice person who will tell you the real deal is all really important. And especially because he's financially invested in it. And of course, he takes care of me, so I take care of him. I make sure that people know he's my rep so that when I'm promoting them, they don't you know, skip him out. Because sometimes he'll tell me and then I sign up for the person's form directly, not through his link. And I go, no, no, Mike's who brought me to you. So I always make sure he's taken care of so that I'm one of his favorite people. It's the same thing. Like the people you take care of will always take care of you. That's brilliant. And I, I love the idea also of giving and being an extreme giver. That's just really the best way to go in general. I find the more people that I serve, the more people that I help, the more people that I give to, the better my life is, number one, but also the more money I make. So I love that idea. Now, as we're wrapping it up, there's a few questions I want to ask you, really rapid fire round. Um, I want to ask you these questions. If it takes a little longer to answer, no big deal. But the first question in the rapid fire round is if you were to go back and give your younger self any bit of advice, could be business, life, or anything like that, what would it be? Don't be afraid to start your own business. It'd be the first thing I would tell them, like, don't wait until you're 30. And number two, learn copywriting. Like if I could go back and change the order in which I learned things, I would have learned copywriting first, hands down. I completely agree. If you, for nobody, for anybody who does not know what copywriting is, it's basically words, selling things, whatever it might be. And I completely agree. Copywriting is phenomenal. If you know how to write words that, or even write words that you can actually speak out well, that help people to understand that they need to buy this product, it's by far one of the best things you can learn in your business. So that's great. Now, if somebody is already getting started and they want to have something where they're giving, 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 but they also wanted to be an affiliate, what is some advice? Because you've given us tons of great stuff. Is there anything that we might have left out that you can give them as they're building a business that are connecting people with affiliates? Yeah, my advice is to stop waiting. Most people, they go, oh, I don't have enough authority. And they go, I can't email people. I can't ask people to appear at my event. The bit, what happens when someone finally does it, their biggest problem is they get too many yeses. 
I remember one guy I was working with about eight months ago. He goes, Jonathan, everyone said yes. What do I, what do, I do? I have too many. I just did an event last month where we got four times our usual response rate. We thought we were going to have 10 people. We had 52. And I was like, oh, no. So our tech, like we had to do a massive rebuild of the infrastructure because we weren't ready for that. And we two people said yes. And it was like, no, what, what happened? What happened? So you're more likely to have that problem when you reach out. Like um, an example of this is I was in when I was in music school about 13 years ago. I emailed the drummer from who was on Michael Jackson's song, Beat It. Guess what? You move back the next day. You think you can't reach out to people. Like you can reach out to someone random or so any, you could probably, I mean, it's a little bit more for celebrities and stuff. It's like, you got to reach out to them through social media and stuff. But the number of people who respond to you is very high. And we always have this misconception about how much people make. I guarantee you, if I wanted to have a book where I interview 10 astronauts, I could do it. And I could probably have all 10 astronauts say yes by next week. There's this thought that it's so hard. Guess what? People like attention. If you make people feel good and you make them feel like you're giving value and you are not trying to belittle them in any way, right? Like you're focused on lifting them up and lifting their audience up, then they want to get their name out there. Nobody can name the third guy to step on the moon. How much does that stink? Like, golly, I'm, there's a, <laughs> well, I'm number three. It wasn't that bad, but no one remembers you, right? So we have this misconception that it's so hard to reach out to people. Like you've, if you've ever seen now... You can get basically any 80s band to do your kid's birthday party for $5,000. <laughs> so like all these bands, like they see all these things that seem impossible. No, once people have, are off the peak, they're just trying to make a living. You know, whether they're doing speaking events or they're trying to promote their own book, whatever they're doing, they're just trying to make that living. And I'm totally cool with that. I respect that in every way, right? So reaching out to people, it's not scary. Just do it. So sometimes I see someone I'm going to do an outreach to, and I'm like, this person would never say yes. I'm trash compared to them. I know who they are. And then they say yes right out the gate. I'm like, whoa, what? And it's I have the preconception it's in here, not in the real world, because it's someone that's a celebrity to me, not someone that's a celebrity to everyone else or not someone, you know. So some of the people that I get from my events are really, really well known, and I didn't know who they were. I get people all the time like, oh, how did you choose me? You're already a super big fan. I'm like, oh, no, I, my outreach team found you. Our outreach team just finds people that are awesome. So we interview people that are awesome all the time. So that's our approach is we just look for awesomeness. We look for people that give me value. So I don't mean, I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't follow a lot of podcasts. I don't have that much time to follow a hundred podcasts a year, right? So we have this process that I developed when I was on my own before I started hiring a team, but it's really just reach out to people because there are people who say yes to me who have no idea who I am is most. 90% of the people who participate in my events have no idea who I am. They don't vet me. Like they don't do a whole background check. They don't call my parents. They just look and see, you know, they check out my website maybe and see what kind of stuff I've done in the past, who I've other people I've invited. They go, okay, that sounds cool. So it's not as hard as you think. So give me one name. If you could think of the biggest one that you said, I probably won't get this person, but you reached out and they actually did say yes. Is there, can, is there one that comes to mind? Yeah, there's my heroes and authors, a guy named SJ Scott who's done insane numbers of money. Like he sold millions of books as an independent author like us. And he wrote the forward to the second edition of my book, Serve No Master. Why? Because I cold emailed him. And, we, <laughs> and then we've actually written, two, we wrote two books together. So now he sends me money every month from a book we wrote together. Um, and I get a royalty from him. It was really amazing. Someone I, I was like, I want to work with this guy. I want my name to appear next to his in light. So will help me sell more books. And he was someone I never thought would work with me. And this was, and I emailed him like four or five years ago. I said, oh my gosh, I love your book. 
you're so cool. You're doing so many things. Maybe you've noticed my book near yours in the charts. And of course it, his books are always higher. He had so many books doing so well. He had, his book habit stacking did like millions of dollars in royalties. I was like, Oh, that's like my dream. And we started emailing back and forth and it was just from a cold email and it worked with other people too. There's a guy called Patrick King who does very, very well on Amazon. So the biggest people I reached out to were other authors who I thought would never talk to me. And he wrote the forward to one of my books. I wrote the forward to one of his books. And it was just one of the first types of exchange that I started dabbling in was what I call forward exchange, which I'll write a forward for your book. You write a forward for my book. So that way our books appear in each other's search results. That's so cool. Man, Jonathan, you gave us so much great insights. And last question, what is one book that it could be business or nonfiction, but basically nonfiction, but business or life, what is one book that has impacted you the most that we should read? I would say, I know it's like so obvious, but the seven habits of highly effective people, like it's crazy how a book that's a hundred years old still really works. That's why it's always in the top of the charts. And mostly it teaches you how to communicate with people, which is the secret. Like the biggest lesson that I've learned is that consistent action is the secret to success. It's not about doing something really big one day and having like a viral video or having something really big happen. It's really about putting in consistent work, posting a video to Facebook every day, posting a video to YouTube every day, answering emails every day, whatever it is, it's that process. And along the way, if you treat people in a way that makes them feel good, then your business will grow. Like, I used to think it was really complicated, but if you just make people feel good about themselves, you treat them in a way that makes them feel like a person and not a commodity, like you're not using them, then people will say yes and do things with you that you never would have thought possible. It's very possible to have amazing things happening just by treating people well. And I think the seven habits of highly effective people does help you how to treat people nice. I love it. I, I would I I definitely think that is a fantastic book. And being able to treat people better and make people feel happy about themselves or, you know, feel more joyful, feel better about themselves is such a great thing. Now, Jonathan, you gave us so much great insights. I know people are going to want to reach out to you. How would they find you? Can they listen to your podcast? And how would they know more about you? Yeah, there's some easy things you can do. You can type Serve No Master in any search engine and I'll be all the top 10 results. It's always going to show my book or my blog or my podcast. And if you want to, I have a book called Fire Your Boss, which is about how to take that first step and say to your boss, uh, I got some bad news, you're fired, which is the best feeling in the world. And you can get that for free at servemaster.com front slash boss. And when you do, please tell me about it because I love, if you can take a picture even better of your boss's face because I remember the first time I fired someone and they go, but I'm paying you. And I go, and yet you're fired. He goes, no, it doesn't work that way. And I go, and yet it appears that it does. <laughs> it appears that you just got fired. And it was, I love it. it was one of my... I hate it. I hate working for him. And it felt so amazing. And I love sharing that film with everyone else to realize you actually are capable of so much more than you've ever thought before. That's greatness within you. I love it. And Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the Successful Unemployed Show. I've learned a lot. I know everybody else has. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you, man. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders Membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses group coaching with me and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. 
go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. It'll be in the description, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. You can see how you can quit your job, that J-O-B, by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successfully unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successfully Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, Share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful, unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya.